You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state. Just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols, and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right now. Hey, hey, all right, great to be with you. I'm Jeff. That is Ira and Corey. I can see them on my computer screen. One day I will see them in person. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing, everybody. We'll be back. The band will start rehearsing again in studio. We'll be doing the normal shots like we used to do before the start of every show. (laughs) We haven't been able to do that in a while. It's so frustrating. Uh, This this hour brought to you by our friends at Register Sausage. As always, delicious, delicious sausage yay sausage and a new promo code ira yeah it's exciting jeff it's it's there's two two news items to uh, yep. relay from our friends at register sausage number one as you're looking for uh, your sausage at, the, at your local grocery store mm. they've got new labels rolling out and i've seen them i've gotten a sneak peek i don't well, know what's Ben's... special about these labels i like the old ones once you see the new labels jeff you'll understand oh. it's got they our are... pictures on them that would be awesome. I really think us on there. we're going to need to move here soon. Yeah, they do not. We may need to recall the new logos, but the uh, yeah, the new labels are awesome. Though. The multicolored, uh, they're beautiful, and uh, I think they're just going to pop off the shelf. But yeah, you're right. I think in the, in the 2.0, yeah. they've got to break out our uh, faces. The and then the other, yeah, that's selling sausage right there. And yeah. then the uh, the other news item is to celebrate Coach Ham's three straight double digit wins against Louisville. Mm. Ben is rolling out a 30% off uh, promo code for all headline listeners. But if you order online at registermeets.com, the promo code is elite headliner, which he, he put in all caps. And I'm going to encourage you to use all caps when you type in elite headliner, because who wouldn't, right? Why yeah. would you not? But uh, he said, it's not really required. 
but I think it should be required. But anyway, uh, the promo code is Elite Headliner. Go to registermeets.com. You'll get 30% off of all orders. And I don't know how long that lasts. He didn't tell me. Could be five minutes, could be five days, could be five weeks. But go order your uh, sausages right now and check out the new labels, which are coming soon. That's good news indeed. I think I will. My kids, they eat that sausage in the morning for breakfast on their way to school. We get after it. It's easy for me to cook up on the pan right there, knock it out, get out the door. It's perfect. Do they eat it like a hot dog? No, they eat it plain with mustard. But like they cut it up? They cut it up and eat it? Yeah, I, haven't, I hadn't even thought about it. Uh, Tim Lenefelt uh, came over the other night, had a little bit of a cookout in the backyard, and he grilled up a jalapeno cheddar sausage right on the fire pit and then nice. ate it like a hot dog in a bun with the cheese dripping everywhere. Yeah, That was intriguing. Hadn't thought about doing that, but I think I might go to that. He said it was great. Good thanks for, for the uh, thanks thanks for the invite, by the way. Jeff, did you get your invitation? I didn't. I was not told I could come by Corey's house for uh. – a fine time dining in the backyard over a fire while we reminisced about uh, a different time in our lives in which we could get together. But Corey, Corey apparently is having Tim Winnefeld over left and right. I mean, yeah, I just like him more than you two, I guess is what it comes down to. He also lives like a block away. Uh, Okay. That's what it was. That's what it is more than anything. And Ira wasn't going to come. It was a couple's thing. And I know, I know Kim wasn't coming anywhere near a people, even though we were outside. Well, I, I would have come if I. I don't, hey, next time, buddy. Next time you're right, in, you're on the invite I, list. You made it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now that we got that out of the way, let's speak to the fact that uh, since we last talked, uh, the Knowles have just been bending people over. Uh, it has been embarrassing the way they have throttled uh, opponents lately. They look like they're on the verge of going on a ten-game winning streak. When you look at the schedule, they'll get their revenge this weekend against Clemson. Uh, once that occurs, I really don't see too many teams that are going to beat them in the foreseeable future. Now it's basketball. Things happen. You could be cold. But as guys begin to fulfill their promise and understand their roles, uh, I really think this is going to be one of the best three teams in the ACC. And it does. I find it amusing uh, to listen to people try to excuse away how it is Florida State keeps winning or to question aloud why it is they keep winning. But, you know, for those of us that cover the program, watch this team carefully. They know they have really good players, really good coaches. They recruit to a system and to a mentality, and they just beat your ass over and over and over again because they're better than you. And I'm tired of hearing people debate why it is. By now, they should have accepted it. It is the reigning ACC champion, after all, we're talking about. Yeah, what's Corey. weird about that is uh, I, I was – and I don't, I don't get – college the, – the one thing that matters less than anything is college rankings. basketball yes. rankings. I don't care about rankings either. But to be seven and two, to have done what they did to NC State and then beat North Carolina without uh, your your NBA player, your lottery pick, and then not even like be fourth in others receiving votes is was just bizarre. Like the the voters just forgot all about Florida State, which happens a lot, uh, is seemingly. And then they go out and beat Louisville, and people are like, "Well, how is this team not ranked?" It's like, "Well, you tell us." They just beat. They put up one hundred five on NC State and then beat North Carolina without their best player and still didn't – I don't know if they moved up at all. Uh, oh, so that's odd. I like how uh, a couple of people have pointed out that there's a couple of voters because you can see how everybody voted. And I dreaded this when I voted in the AP football poll because I was always worried people are going to, like, dox me, you know, like like yeah. find the inconsistencies. and Because there are. I mean, you go week to week, and it's like, hey, you got this team ahead of this team. Three weeks ago they lost to that team. And in college football, you know, obviously it's all magnified. But anyway, a couple, two or three voters had FSU 25 coming off the hiatus. 
Then they went and housed NC State, beat North Carolina, and then that person didn't have them in the top 25. <laughs> I mean, what, what in the world? Maybe if they beat NC State by 50. Yeah, exactly. Been. Yeah, the good news is, though, Corey, to your original point here, and I, and I prefaced my comments on the show yesterday by saying, look, I, I'm tired of hearing people wonder how it is Florida State keeps winning. Uh, but also – don't worry yourself about a, uh, you know, whatever, you know, 15 games in, 13 games into a season worried about rankings. They don't really matter. If you keep winning, eventually you get your just due and you put yourself in a position to be a three seed, a two seed, a one seed, whatever it might be. Um, I, I will say, though, when you look at the talent and when you look at the uh, depth, as always, and you look at the skill and you look at the way that they buy in and the way it is that on a given night, it could be a different guy. It could be two different guys that rise to the occasion. They're just going to be a problem all year for most of the teams in this conference, and I dare say any team that they match up against the rest of the way. I'm not trying to make a case that they're the best team in the country. I'm just telling you. Because they're that, not. If, no, if you've watched not. Gonzaga and Baylor play, that that's a different yeah. level than anything we've seen so far. Yeah, I've watched Gonzaga and Baylor play. In fact, I watched Baylor play right after our game the other night. Um, and, and, and again, Nobody's trying to make the case that Florida State's better than those teams right now. I would make the case that nobody's going to want to play Florida State. Even those teams are not going to want to play Florida State. We're a problem. Florida State's got so much talent, so much length, so much depth. And if they're healthy and play together and it's less convoluted and they play together for weeks at a time, you're not going to want to play them. They're good. What's interesting is they've, they've started to protect the rim, which that was, you know, before the hiatus, like Leonard was talking about switching defenses and, not no, not switching, <laughs> going away from switching as much One as he through was, five, yeah. and changing his uh, defensive approach a little bit because they couldn't protect the rim, and now they're doing a much better job of it. I mean, there, there was one point in that game uh, the other night where Louisville had like six made baskets, and FSU had blocked five shots. Like, I mean, th they are doing a much better job in that regard. Um, and Balsa is, you know turned into a, I mean, just a huge difference maker. I mean, he's able to stay on the court now. He's been able to, they've done, whatever they've done is clicked with him to where he now is is doing a manageable job of defending a guard when he gets switched on him, which is a big difference. Yeah, it looks like a, for a while there, it looked like if Brady's team was trying to get shots off against Florida State, <laughs> that's what it looked like for a, for a stretch there. And that's the kind of defense we hadn't necessarily seen from this team. I mean, they blew out NC State. They beat North Carolina. I didn't think they were good defensively, really, in either one of those games. They gave up a bunch of wide-open threes, um, so much so that North Carolina actually hit some. But in this one, they were swarming. It was like they were everywhere. And Louisville just completely collapsed against that pressure. And Florida State hadn't really imposed its will on a team like that. I didn't. I hadn't thought uh, much this year. And then they did that in that game. And I, I, you know, that's now you know what the ceiling looks like because you know they can shoot. I mean, now we know they can shoot. And you know they, they have enough guys to score, but could they play defense like that? And now we've seen that they can. They're not going to do it all the time. And Louisville got some open looks as the game went on. Uh, they adjusted. But uh, you now know what the ceiling looks like, I think, as far as that defense goes. Because that was everywhere. That was like eight guys were on the court. Yeah, they, the point I would make is, of course, Louisville got some open looks. Uh, they've got good players. They're a well-coached team. Any team you face that's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of the top 25 is going to adjust enough. Their players are on scholarship, too. They're going to get good looks. But I think consistently Florida State plays more athletic above the rim. They swarm you with depth and length. They're they're better defensively than they had shown. And we realize now as guys begin to understand the intensity you have to play with. Look, I mean, I think it's human nature when you're up 40 to 
16 or whatever the hell it was to, to, you know, lax, you know, yeah. relax a little bit and guys get looks. Did um, you, did you write that down? You know, sorry. Yeah. Um, but well, I, we're not no, just talking here, man. <laughs> this is being recorded going out to the masses. Yeah, you know, about that. That's you, the beauty of this show is it sounds like such a natural conversation, but in fact, we're recording it. Um, but man, that's, that game was over at yeah. 14 to four and, and Chris Mack knew it. And he had to be the most disgusted guy in the world because he's watched this this act before. His team cowers to Florida State. He knows that they don't they're not men. They can't hang with this group. And it's you embarrassing. Know. It's fun to watch. And you then he talked in- about it afterwards in the pre- in the post game. He knows the deal. You know what's interesting is is when when Mike White got the Florida job, there were a lot of FSU fans and probably some people in the media who were like, uh-oh, Mike White. I mean, you yeah. know, he had a, he had oh, success. No. He had success against Leonard Hamilton when he was over at Louisiana Tech or wherever. Uh, you know, what are the, you know, this is going to be a problem. And Mike White, I think, still hasn't beaten Leonard Hamilton head to head. Correct. Chris Mack, when he got the Louisville job, people remembered that Xavier, the first Xavier game, and were like, "Oh, I don't know, this is going to be a problem." And he can't beat Florida State and Leonard. It's just, it's funny how like all these guys are seen as the big bad wolf, and then they come in and get their hat handed to them. Corey, did you see that Chris Mack press conference or hear the audio? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's, 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 I got to give him credit. Yeah, he was straight up. I wonder, that's going to go two different ways. Like, either it will energize his team or his team is going to fold on itself. Yeah. Because, of, I mean, you get called out like that publicly, basically told you're not a man, you coward. Uh, that That's going to go two different ways there. They're either going to play really, really hard for him or they're going to quit on him. It'll probably be the former, but but uh, you, you know you never know. Yeah, they did respond, I thought, at halftime. Whatever he said at halftime, because they 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 tried to man up in the second half. They they were challenging FSU in the first half. They did look. I mean, I agree with them. They were going in the, getting in the lane, fumbling the ball around. Yeah, I mean, they looked petrified. They also the gave up just a bunch of open threes. Yeah, to guys you don't. I mean, you don't leave college basketball players wide open, and they did it to everyone on Florida State's roster. How about I love the comparison though. Um, I can't. It was one of the announcers. Whoever was doing the game compared, and Raquan Gray is having a terrific season. He is a real college basketball player now, a good one, a nightmare to handle because of what he does on every end of the court, just everything he does. But the guy compared him to Zion Williamson. <laughs> that was that was interesting. And I was like, let's slow down a little bit. Like, where have you? <laughs> maybe different levels of athleticism with these two guys. That would that would be my. Well, uh, he tried to correct himself, and he's like, "Well, in, in terms of body shape." Yeah. It's like okay, yeah, he but the, thick, the he thickness, but yes. yeah, the, yeah, the difference is Zion moves like nobody we've ever seen in the history of mankind. Yeah, that he size. jumps like Michael Jordan plus fifty-five <laughs> pounds. As long that's as what I, makes Zion Zion. As long as I live, I'll never forget that block on the baseline from three, oh, where he he goes up and he has after he tips the ball, he keeps going up. He was all. It was the dumbest thing ever. It was like a forty-five inch vertical. I'm never gonna forget that. I could watch that replay over and over and over again. I thought, well, that's different. We're, we're developing human beings that are doing things now that uh, were impossible when I was sixteen. This is just wrong. And he's gonna be when he's done playing. He's gonna be four hundred and ten pounds. Well, yeah, and Zion, like yeah, when, if he's not basketball, if he doesn't have basketball to get him in shape when he's thirty-nine years old, I, what's he gonna look like? Yeah. Well, people are starting to question how long he's how durable he can be if he doesn't get in yeah. shape. But the back to the original point, Raquan Gray is one of the best players in the league right now. Right. We'll see if it lasts, but these last two or three games, I mean, he just he does so many little things too. He's just I don't he's scoring. Gray, 
I don't think it's a thing that's going to go away because this is born from hard work and confidence. And he's skilled. We always knew he was skilled. Yeah. We, we would talk about that skill, his quick hands in the passing lanes, his ability to move and transition at that size. He could shoot the three if he was left alone. Uh, he could score around the basket, obviously. If he learned how to use his body better and got in better shape, we thought this was coming. I mean, we talked about it was possible if he had a commitment to fitness uh, and could stay on the floor longer. So I don't think it's going anywhere. What is funny has been there there are times now, like when you're watching the TV broadcast where you know it's not up close, and I'll see him, and sometimes I'm not even I don't even recognize that that's him because he has transformed his body so much. Yeah. Um, but I but I was thinking back to when when he was a freshman and we what we watched one of the practices or scrimmages, and uh Coach Ham was sitting next to me and he pointed to him and he goes, What do you think about him? And I said, Man, he kind of reminds me of Demetri Hill, the kid that played at Florida when they went to the final four in in the early nineties, and he looked at me and goes, He's just like he goes, he goes, he goes, that that kid, he's like, he's such a better passer. He's I mean, and Demetri Hill was a nice player, like around the basket. But Raekwon, he can run the point. I mean, he did it the other night. I mean, he's he's silly. Yeah. It's uh and and and, as Hamilton said the other night, he's become after one of the post games, he said, you know, he's become like an they've got so many guys that are like like assistant coaches now. I mean, they've got guys that have been in the system four or five years, and that's a big deal. I want to talk about that. We'll do it next. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Yeah, so, Corey, you wrote about an awardchant.com after the North Carolina win, another loss for rolling out there, Roy. And- I li- hey, I liked how his team competed, though. Yeah, I feel like he's about to reach those guys. He's gonna he's gonna get those guys to play up to their five star billing at some point. Yes. That uh, that's the press conference. You have you got gone back and watched his Zoom after that game? I saw the, re- the, the reporters interviewing him. It's like talking to Norvell after the Notre Dame game. It's like, <laughs> were you impressed by the way your guys you know competed, competed. a little bit and that well you know. The way that, you know, did you see some bright spots there in the second half? And it's like, like you're closer to a Florida state. You're talking to Roy Williams at North Carolina. Correct. Who just played Florida state without (laughs) its lottery pick. (laughs) And you're like, Hey man, y'all did a good job of keeping it close and not let them blow you out. It's like, what is going on? You guys trailed for 30 some odd minutes of the 40, but I felt (laughs) like you really you know, you laid it all out there, and that's an effort you can build upon as you look ahead to your future games yeah. and some teams that aren't quite Florida State. You might be able I mean, to your teams. When you're trying to build up, when you see us he- here in 2023, 2024, right. it's going to be this game yeah. that we're going to remember as the as the building point. You know, I told the guys at halftime, look, I'm proud of you. Hang in there. I know it feels overwhelming right now. They just got too many horses. Yeah, they just too got down. too many guys. But you're playing your hearts out. Maybe they'll continue to relax. You hang in there. Hang in there. Give yourself a chance down the stretch, guys. At some yep. point, we'll get there. And he literally had to say at one point, uh, he literally had to say, you know, North Carolina, we're not about moral victories. And it's like, holy, what in the world are we talking yes. about here? Yeah, I laughed <laughs> as I have been for two and a half years at them. Um, yeah, no, no, it's it's fun. At some point, they'll get there. He'll he'll connect. There'll be some yeah. moment where, yeah, they'll they'll. Well, they finally get some talent, and maybe if some <laughs> talent will come back into the North Carolina system, they only have like six five stars on that roster. Oh, it's the best! It's the best. Well, 
So, no, I wasn't even being, uh, you know, braggadocious when I talked about it. We got to go back to what we we're talking about with uh, Raekwon in a second. But but when I said the schedule sets up nice, look, that's a good basketball team Clemson is coming in this weekend. Uh, Forest State's a lot better uh, right now than they were when they played Clemson on the road last time. So I'd, I'd like to see them buck up here and get and avenge that loss. But honestly, fellas, and I think there's a question about it either in the Twitter feed or the Facebook feed. We'll get to that part of it later. But it really does set up right now that if this team's going to continue to get better and buy in on the defensive end the way they have lately and guys play with more and more confidence the way that you know some of these guys are, like Malik Osborne getting back into the fold and Raquan Evans and those guys, man, there are a whole lot of wins laid out here in the uh, foreseeable future. They're going to put themselves in a position, and I thought that game the other night was very important to put themselves in a position to be in contention, to make a run at it, against Virginia late in the year for the conference regular season title again. I, I thought it was very important they got that win at Louisville. I don't want to overlook that because the schedule does set up nicely for them. Yeah, and the, you know, the only thing that concerns me a little bit from a schedule standpoint is they have played so many home games so far. Uh, you know, they've only played two ACC road games. And, the, you know, they're going to have some uh, later in the year. They'll have to go to Carolina. They'll have to go to uh, – uh, uh, no, they get Virginia at home, so that's good. Um, but they have to go to you know they have to make some road trips, which even against average teams, Georgia Tech. I mean, they've lost there before against a, an inferior Georgia Tech team. So that's a little bit. But no, you're right. I mean, it definitely sets up now where you start to get in Boston College at home and uh, the Wake Forest and, and and people like that. That Virginia game is going to be huge. Huge. Um, I mean, if they keep it up, I'm not sure. I don't know what happened to them because earlier in the year they looked like discombobulated. But now they've obviously righted the ship. Um, but that'll be kind of a, a litmus test for both of them because that and that game could end up being for the, the you know regular season title. Yeah, I think with this team though, with Florida State, um, I, I don't and I like like Jeff. I thought I think you were about to start talking about the column I wrote after the North Carolina game. Then we got on Roy, but just the when you talk about how how confident they all are. You know, you lose Scotty Barnes, and then Raquan Evans comes out. He scores 24 against NC State. He's he's playing with a ton of confidence. Should be anyway. He scored 11, I think, in that in the game the other night. Wyatt Wilkes scored 13. Malik Osborne looks like Malik Osborne again. Like he looks like an athlete. Yeah. Looks like he wants to be on the court, which is a big deal. He's a good player. Um, Raquan's. I think they've had eight or nine guys scoring double figures this year already, and that doesn't include Calhoun, who might be the best natural scorer on the team. He just plays at two-minute burst and six-minute burst. I just think you have a you have a team now where you you have nine or ten or eleven guys that you feel like uh, that could play and will play in crunch time. Like Calhoun was playing big minutes in important minutes against North Corey, Carolina. So that was okay. I'm glad you bring this up. And you're right. I was going to reference the call. You called it a program win. And I, and again, they're getting a lot of these program wins these days because they have so much talent, so much depth, and they've recruited and there's buy-in. But but. Calhoun, I think it's a, a good example of what Florida State is now, is that when Ham decides, I really need to give this guy a little bit more minutes until he can get some confidence. You know, I'm not going to yank him the first time he's a little spastic or he does something silly and, and is a little out of control. I'm going to leave him on the floor for a little bit longer to see if the game will slow down for him, see if he can hit a shot. That little jump step back fade on the baseline that he hit is an example where he's in the game a little bit longer than he has been. Well, man, that's called I'm a coach experimenting with my lineup to try to get confidence on the road against Louisville while I beat their ass. 
That's ridiculous. That's where Florida State's at, though. They can do that. They can be like, well, I need to see if I can get Malik Osborne going tonight. Let's see if I can get him going tonight. You know, he hasn't looked real good up to this point. Kind of a guy without a position right now with the roster that we have. Let's see if we can get him going tonight. And the other four will pick up the slack while that guy, whomever it is that he's targeting to to play more that night, they'll pick up the slack while the guy figures it out. Yeah, and just the the program itself too. Like I, I don't think either any of us will be surprised next year or the year after, assuming he's still there. Here, Calhoun might have a game where he scores thirty three points. Right. He might right. average twenty five over a, a span of five. He could be an elite level ACC player. When I saw Anthony Polite and Wyatt Wilkes play in scrimmages, they're even their second years. Yeah, I'm like, what are they doing here? Right. They don't belong. Wyatt Wilkes can't play at this level. Anthony Polite, all he does is miss threes. That's the only thing I've ever seen him do in a scrimmage. Now they're uh, valuable players, and Anthony Polite is one of the better shooters in the conference. It's just the with, with the program, you get the superstar guys, the one-and-dones or the two-and-dones, but they're, there's, unlike Kentucky, not that, I mean, Kentucky's done well with John Calipari, don't get me wrong, but unlike Kentucky, unlike Duke a lot of years, You've got the superstar young guys surrounded by like a, a a comfort blanket of veterans. And it seems like it's the same case this year. And next year will be the same deal. Raekwon Gray will be back. Polite will be back. I guess MJ could technically be back. Um, but yeah, they got the transfer from Houston. I mean, they're gonna be there's gonna be with with the two freshmen that are coming in, they're gonna he's gonna be uh, have a comfort blanket of all these guys that have been in the system for three or four years. Yeah, and what it's really, and I'd like to write about it at some point. I'm going to try to. Uh, I'll see how I can make it happen. But because it's, it's a hard thing to write about, um, because I don't know that they're. We'll see how if they talk about it. But watching them in the huddle, uh, and we, we've got a different vantage point now. They've got us up in the uh, club seating, but you can you can see from above. One of the interesting things to watch about their huddles is, so you know, Ham talks, and and he always lets his assistant coaches talk a lot, especially whoever had the scouting report, but. I've noticed that more, I don't know if it's always been the case and cause where we used to sit, I couldn't always see, but the older guys talk, it seems like the older guys talk in the huddle as much as the coaches do or, or nearly yeah. as much. I mean, guys that aren't in the game, I mean, you'll have Wyatt Wilkes is the, is over there bent over talking to um, Balsa. I mean, you've got guys at different positions, but they've all been a part of the program for so long that they all know what the coaches, their coaching points are. And so you're getting this, this, it's like a, 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 an, I would say an echo chamber, but you just, you're getting the same message from so many different people. I, I really think that's how you, to Corey's point, you have a Scotty Barnes, who's a phenomenal talent is maybe only going to be here for one year, but really the backbone of this team and this program is those guys, those, those other guys that are here for three or four years that develop over time. Yeah, it's a great mix. It reminds me a little bit, and and I know this is there are many players in this situation with the basketball team as opposed to one position in football. But during the dynasty years, we all know that you weren't getting on the field unless you were a junior, a quarterback, a redshirt junior. You had been in the system for a long time, and you would learn from all those guys starting in front of you that would hand down that knowledge, that would pass down the system, that would teach you, you know, both in game and in practice how to how to play. And so, by the time you got your opportunity, you were very sure of what you were doing. And you know, there were degrees of talent. Obviously, it seems to me that all all these guys that come in are shaped by what is now program wide consistency. Uh, whether it's from the coaches or veteran players, and the message just is repeated time and again. The system is taught over time, and guys garner confidence from their teammates, whether they're 
going to be a lottery pick or whether there's somebody that's going to be here for three or four years. So, I mean, it only took Patrick Williams, what, seven games? We had that breakout. What was it? Was it the Notre Dame game where all of a sudden you went, oh, well, he's not going to be here very long. So unique talents jump really quickly, whereas other guys it might take two years, might take three years, but they all get better. And that's what you talk about with coaching and developing a program, right? The buy-in mentally as well as physically and the understanding, they all get better. Jeff, I want to ask you one quick question. Uh, so Corey wrote in his column the other day that um, – when they beat North Carolina, they did it without their best player, Scotty Barnes. And I kind of like, I started to call him or text him and say, Hey man, I don't know if MJ Walker is not the best player on this team, but then I was thinking, okay, but Scotty can do things physically that MJ, like Scotty Barnes can impose his will physically on players defensively in a way that I don't know if anybody else on the team can do. And then I think we're going to see more of he's, a, he's definitely the best pro prospect and we all know that, but is he the best player on this team? And I'm, I kind of went back and forth about it. You could definitely argue either way, but, but MJ, it's hard, but it's phenomenal. hard now. Yeah. MJ has been great. And then what Raekwon looks like, man, there's, there's not many people right. playing like Raekwon. Raekwon does the dirty work and is scoring. Um, is getting steals. And you know, what I like about Raekwon is he got called for it one time, weirdly. But if a team's trying to make a comeback and they hit a layup with four minutes to go to cut it to 13, you don't have to rush over to go pick up the ball. Right. You can saunter over there like you're shooting in a gym by yourself and you're just meandering. Like, he wasted eight seconds before he even had to inbound the ball. It's stuff like that that does yeah. matter. Don't be in a rush, especially when they're pressing you. Don't be in a rush to go pick up the ball. Uh, he just does a lot of little things that you like. He's still going to have a charge a game. It's just going to happen. He gets called for him because he's big, and they go flying into the stands. I don't even like those calls. Yeah, I didn't. I definitely didn't like that game. call. Yeah, I definitely didn't like that call. No, that but was it's hard. Yeah, Scotty Barnes is the most talented player. Yeah, but that best, was yeah, that's definitely saying. subjective. And that was my answer. It was Ira. I was going to say he's the most talented player on the roster, but he's not the most consistent and best player on the roster right now for what Florida State does. The answer would have been either Raekwon Gray, Gray uh, or MJ Walker. But let me ask uh, you me this: ask So if 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 Coach Ham, they had a scrimmage, and Coach Ham told Stan Jones and CY, pick teams, who's the number one pick? Well, are we? what are we playing for? And how many games do we get to play? We're playing, we're playing to death. We're playing, playing for to, pinks. They're playing, playing for to, pinks, man. They're playing to 11. Ownership five on papers. Five, five, five on 11 five. by ones? Yeah, by five uh, on five. Five and on lo five. Losers, losers have to run. Oh, well... That's tough. It's between MJ Walker and, and Scotty Barnes. I take Scotty. I I I want MJ's going to get hobbled at some point. MJ's going <laughs> to be hobbled at some point. Right, and then he's going to be okay and come back out. Yeah, Let's he'll be fine after that. You got to give some love there when it happens in a game, man. He does it every time. You've got to yeah. say, look, as Jeff has told you all, he'll be back in two minutes. He's fine. But at some point, he is going to do something awful to himself. And we're all going to be like, man, get up, MJ. We're tired of this. And, well, it'll, and it'll actually be hurt. hurt. Years. I know. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like Jim Brown. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. So what I would say really quickly is, uh, yeah, if we're picking these teams and it's five on five, if, you know, pickup games notoriously do not involve the uh, kind of officiating you see in a real basketball game, and guys are able to get away with a lot of things, 
and their inner mf -er come out. And if that's the case, Scotty Barnes is my pick. Yeah. If we're going to call it close to the vest, I might take MJ Walker in that situation. We're going to call it like a real collegiate basketball game. But if uh, if it's just about who's the batter ass and now it's it's a street game, um, yeah, man, I'm taking Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm taking him either way because I just think he's going to – I'm not going to say he's going to dominate Raquan Evans, but I think uh, you're going to have a pretty good – advantage yeah, at, at that position yeah yeah well bottom line is what you're kind of talking about are all these options all these uh players that you could or or would and would not take based on the kind of team you're putting together and that just tells you how deep they are like you can you can create a path to victory if you don't get scotty barnes by correctly picking a team that you know plays off each other well and has the requisite uh, amount of size and athleticism because florida state has 10 guys they can count on it's dumb. I mean, they really do have more than most. And that was all I was getting at at the beginning of this hour. And I talked about it yesterday on my show. I'm just tired of the way questions are phrased to coaches and in the way that, you know, halftime dialogue takes place on ESPN, where they're always searching for a reason that Florida State's winning that game. Or why is it that Florida State has the upper hand right now? Well, have you watched Florida State for the last four years? They've got better players than the team they're playing, and they're coached better. They all play within a system, and they're deeper. It, it, the question should be, when Florida State loses, why did that happen? Because well, Florida State's better than Clemson. So you would talk about it that way. First of all, basketball is basketball. You play over 20 games. You're going to lose some. You're going to have nights where you don't have your legs, nights where you just don't play well, nights where a UCF trees plays a mile over their head and makes everything. It happens. I get that. But the questions should be phrased more along the lines of who's the better program, who's the more dominant team. Now, I get in the history of basketball, Florida State has precious few times with which you could look back and say this was a great era. And they don't have the cachet that rolled out there Roy in North Carolina has. And they don't have what Duke has and what Louisville has in its history. And you can go on down the list of teams in each of the conferences. But if we're just talking about the last half decade, well, what are we talking about? Florida State's just been better than those teams. And they've done a great job of, of evaluating talent and developing them. You know, the thing about, you know, Devin Vassell, the fact that he was recruited by nobody really basically until CY saw him and then Florida State started going after him. And then he kind of blew up. But I mean, he's basically a no star when they first offered him. I remember when he signed, when they when he committed and they put his name out, and I started looking for him in databases. I was like, oh no, what is Leonard doing here? You know, <laughs> what, what kind of a reach yeah. is this? And then you look at the way he developed Patrick Williams. The reason Florida State got him, one of the main reasons Florida State got him was there's a, there was another player in his ten in Charlotte who was higher regarded that I think went to I think he went to Duke. And like Florida State was like, no, you're our guy. Like everybody else was looking at that guy. And Patrick Williams was highly recruited, but he was kind of overshadowed. And Florida State's like, no, you're our guy. And a year later, Florida State's got that guy is a lottery pick and being like a, an emerging star in the NBA. The other guy who was higher recruited by most people uh, is still in college. Um, they've got, I mean, you know, there's story after story after story of that. And then the other thing I would say is, and back to that point about the backbone guys, the program guys that Corey wrote about is what he's able, what they're able to do as a staff is get those guys to not leave and to, to, to be willing to take that time as to the point you made mention Jeff about the, the redshirt junior quarterbacks, like in Florida state, that doesn't happen anymore because nobody would stay, but they're able to get kids to buy in when they're freshmen and sophomores and aren't key players yet, but to keep developing, they get, they, they keep them involved 
They show them a plan of how you're going to get better. And then by the time Anthony Polite's a, a third-year guy, he's a real player. And now he's like, he's out of that game and people were worried. I mean, people, were, when they found out Polite couldn't play in that game, people on Twitter were like, and our message boards were kind of freaking out. Think about that. A year That's or two ago, right. I was people like, didn't even, yeah, didn't even think like, he should be in the program. If Polite wouldn't have played two years ago, we'd be like, and? Yeah, yeah finally. Yeah, now you're like, damn, we kind of really need him. He's a really good defender. You can't leave him open. He'll knock that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And even Wilkes. I mean, Wilkes, Wilkes had, I mean, again, and then we, we all talk about the three-pointers. Yeah, how about uh, the kiss off the glass, the high glass? Oh, man. Woo! That was something. And then uh, he had a he had a tip out on an offensive rebound. I think it was yeah. in that game. It might have been North Carolina. But, yeah, he where he – I mean, just effort plays, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's cool to watch and it's gotta be, you know, again, for these other coaches, it's gotta be frustrating to your point because like, that's not something you can just solve. Like you can't just, you can't wait for, okay, when that kid's gone, when Jonathan Isaac's gone, Florida State's going to go back in their hole. I mean, this, you know, this thing is rolling. Corey, how excited Corey, do you Corey. think we are though? Like how, why are, are we, are we this excited? It's a fun team to watch and it's a really fun program to cover. They're likable guys, but it, it, it's also magnified by how bad the main program is we cover, right? Like it's just, you know, we, we appreciate a good program like this because of what we've watched on the gridiron for the last few years. I also think Corey, it has to do with knowing how hard coach ham and countless other coaches on his staff, some that have come and gone and some that are still here, like Stan, have had to work to transform this program. They've ha- What they've had to do uh, with very little, uh, in the sense that that program's not funded the way that Virginia or Duke or North Carolina is. They don't have the same resources in recruiting. They don't have the same facilities. They don't have a John Paul Jones. They don't have that kind of stuff to aid their – they don't have the cachet in the history to aid – those recruiting endeavors. So he's had to stay the course. He ended up taking a major risk, almost got himself fired by transforming the way they played and the kind of player they were trying to recruit, and then lasted long enough to see the fruits of his labor come to bear. And and we know that when you're a good person and you care about those kids and who they are as men, and you know Leonard's backstory, and you watch the style of basketball that they've now transformed to in at Florida State. It's all of it. It's an appreciation for all of those things. I think we would appreciate this. Yeah, sure. When you have to cover this suck of a football program the last four years, you can really appreciate when you're not watching a whole bunch of losing. But I think we would have already, because of who Leonard is and because of the hard work they've had to put in, I think we would have great appreciation for because they're good. Look, man, yeah. we both think that the team two years ago, if they weren't banged up, would have gone to the Final Four. The team last year had a good chance to get to the Final Four. So it's not like they're just a nice story. They're one of the best programs in college basketball the last three years. And just wait until the football team uh, reaches, you know, equals those heights, man. It gets back to where they're supposed to be. You got Emmett Rice coming back. You got Big Baby coming back. You got who'd they lose? Ira, they just lost what one senior that they Carlos Becker. Is that the only guy that's not on the roster anymore? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean a couple guys that yeah, but nobody, no, nobody of real note. Yeah, got those transfers coming in who were all impressive. I thought when we talked to them anyway, yeah. they seem like mature grown ups, which that locker room desperately needs. Of uh, you know, a little bit tepid. There's it's tepid, but I'm a little bit excited about what this football season could be. 
You're dipping your foot in the water. We'll talk about it next. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wrapping up the hour, I suppose we should go ahead and touch on uh, football briefly here. Uh, we did get to see the the, the transfer portal guys and, and that have come in and they met with the media. There's a there's a maturity to those guys. Corey referenced last segment. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when you see guys that have played a lot of football, big time Power Five football uh, against elite competition, and they've had success uh, and they've been good players or at least average players even at that level, you know that you're raising the floor. And the floor has been pretty damn cavernous lately. So it's nice to see that you know Florida State's going to be a better football team. But you have to juxtapose that with the realization, and, and to be a realist and, and pragmatic, with the, with the realization that they've got so far to go to get back to what we would call a Florida State-level program. Uh, it's just nice to see that I think, and we get asked about this next hour, we will answer those questions again you know, it's nice to know that you're moving forward. I mean, we've been steadily moving backwards as we touched on the last Seminole headlines. I think most people feel like Florida State, at the very least, has uh, stopped the free fall. Are you are you raising the floor or are you just repairing the floor? No, like, I'm raising it. I'm there, raising were some, the there, there were some gaps in the floor. Yeah. It wasn't really safe. It was. Ooh. We had the yellow tape yeah. around. Hey, well, don't walk yeah. there. Yeah. Well, yeah, we so, had... I use I always use the addiction uh, analogy, which I don't know might rub people the wrong way, but you know you think Johnny's turned the corner after a week of sobriety, but then you see him out on a Wednesday, one o'clock in the morning, you're like Johnny, Jesus man, we yeah. were going in the right direction, but I haven't seen Johnny in weeks. Weeks, I think we're getting there. Johnny's starting to get it together. Do you think so? And I know one at least one of the questions because I saw the questions on Twitter. Um, do you think how many what percentage of fans do you think are going to let themselves? get optimistic because there is reason 12, to be optimistic 15 because there is reason i mean you know look i mean of that group of eight newcomers that we know of there's probably gonna be at least one more optimism is relative ira what kind of optimism what do you think they think they're gonna win a conference no but just to to be to let them be looking forward to next season because i would say this if mckenzie milton had walked through that door and if this transfer portal hadn't been what it was i don't know if I mean, 2% of fans would have been real yeah. excited going into the next season. Yeah. So what has that done? What is that number now? That at least, at least, hey, I want to see what this team looks like. Well, I, and not only that, I think they the confidence has risen in the coaching staff too because of who they've been able to bring in. I think that that I, if, if they wouldn't have been a, with their recruiting class and then maybe they get one dude in the portal or two and no difference makers, I think people would be like, what, this great here we go again. This guy can't do it either. The fact that he's brought in who he's brought in and the way they talk about him when, they, when, they, when they're asked about him, I think that does instill some confidence. But confidence going into next season is what, seven wins? Six wins? Oh, I mean, Seven you know, wins is awfully – that's an aggressive uh, win total, I think. Yeah, um, we're, we're more than doubling. More than doubling what you had. And yeah. you didn't have to play Clemson in Florida last year. So, uh, yeah, I think – I, I think there'll be people that think they could sneak in eight wins, but probably more closer to six or seven. Um, yeah, but I, I would say a good portion of fan base is thinking that they want to see. If, they think it could be six or seven wins. And if, but if it wasn't for this group, you'd be like, people would be like, man, I don't know if we're going to win more yeah, than four. They're going to, they're going to be four and eight, three well, and nine. Okay, yeah. So to answer the original question, if you're a reasonable, fair-minded, 
balanced fan who's recognized the blank show that they've watched over the last four years, then you might be allow yourself to be, you know, that percentage of people that are optimistic that think like that, Ira, probably at 85%, because I would be one of them. I'm a realist. That team's not going to be good next year. Are they going to be a far cry better? Well, if they have a real offseason and guys are able to get to together with Coach Storms and continue down that path with nutrition and rehab those injuries that they need to, unlike, which you know, for example, a lot of those guys didn't get a chance to do that last year when COVID hit. They didn't have a, a normal summer where, let's say, in this case, Mackenzie Milton gets them together and they're running routes and doing the things that normal teams do uh, away from the coaches. If they're able to have a real spring, and I wish they could push that spring game back a little bit, uh, to ensure that they have that. Uh, yeah, man, they can be a lot better than they were because of these veteran players that have come in, because key positions are being filled by guys that have had success uh, in the SEC or in Power 5 conferences. It just means to me that you go from thinking three wins is possible to six or seven. That's optimism, and that's also being realistic. The people that sit around and think we're going to win 10 games, well, that's pie-in-the-sky nonsense. They're not going to do that. But I bet you there are by now. After all of the losing, by now they've those people have been largely weeded out. I think there's more realists than not these days. But you've given people a reason to be encouraged. Sure, like that, absolutely. Because like what Corey was saying, if you ended the season three and six, even with the big Duke win, I know it was a big win, but you got huge win, huge win, three and six, and then that recruiting class. You know, I just don't know how many people would have been encouraged with it. With the, you know the staff returning in, intact. I agree. Um, you know, so yeah. so it's been it's it's been a big deal, and and I also think the departures, which we've talked about, and I you know I don't want to run down guys who've left, but the fact that you've got the guys who are there now want to be there and and have had op- ample opportunities to leave, however they wanted to leave, uh, you know, you probably have a few guys here and there that are still that might be you know questioning or whatever, but the the I would say ninety eight percent of the guys that want to are there want to be there. I, I think that's a big difference as well. Hour number two, headliner questions forthcoming. Stay with. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next.